one of the harder parts of, of being a part of the saints and, and having the saints that are gone before us is sometimes their voices and names cling to a hymn that we sing. And, and that is one that always does that for me and, and hearing my grandparents even singing it in my head. Um, just before we begin, uh, many of you, if, if you're on the email, receive the invitation to join us on Wednesday for, for litany and lunch. And this is an opportunity and a way for us to try and, and meet everybody in the parish that have different things going on in life. And, and for those that are already retired or are not working, uh, this is uh, time for you to come and join us for a prayer service and then food. And, and then we continue on with um, a talk or a study on issues or topics that generally we don't get to talk about from the pulpit or at least in great detail. So I do encourage you to be here at 11 a.m. to join us for it. And, and since it's the first time, I promise mistakes will be made. And um, if anything, you get to walk away with that kind of confidence. So um, uh, please join us for that. Waiting is difficult, and it is hard. And um, certainly this season that we come through every year in November uh, teaches that point. And because we are a people that are waiting, we know what we're waiting for, but we're told to wait. And it's an active wait. It's not a passive wait. It, it takes action and, and it takes persistence. Uh, even the Apostle Paul describes it as a marathon and, and be training for that marathon. And how are you doing? Are you trained? Are you ready? Are you running it? <laughs> Or are we kind of in the uh, walker's aisle of the track at this point in time? Um, that's our description of our time. And there is nothing that is more of a turnoff to the faith than talking of it in that way. Because it's difficult and it's hard. I remember as a kid, uh, growing up in Missouri, it was common for the Walt Disney that you were to visit was Walt Disney World because that's in Florida and that's a little bit closer. But coming from St. Louis, it's still over a 24-hour drive. Now, we were a family. We did not have that much money, so flying was not an option. Driving was our route. And um, now I know for many of you, you grew up without air conditioning. Um, I did not. <laughs> But one of those trips, our air conditioner went out on that 24-hour drive. And if you know the heat of Missouri and Kentucky and Tennessee and Alabama and Georgia and Florida, you know it's hot. And imagine having three kids in your back seat. Hot. And what we were all waiting for was not air conditioning but to stand out in the heat and see Mickey Mouse on top of that. That is painful waiting. And you're getting asked the question time and time again, are we there yet? And you try and get people to count the uh, fields in Georgia instead. Well, that is maybe a little bit of a picture of some of the struggle that you are called to. Because we are waiting, and at times it's hot, <laughs> and it's sticky, and we want it to be over. 
And we started our, our service this morning with the, the hymn, Behold a Host Arrayed in White. And, and in the opening verse there, it talks about the time in which they are, a time when the, their, their tears are being cleared up by God. Because they've come out of this time of waiting. An important theme of this season, an important truth. Our gospel reading today ended with this statement after Jesus is describing all of the hardships that are going to be coming. Time after time, don't worry if the princes aren't going to get you, your family's going to get you. And your mother and your brother and all of your friends and they're going to send you in and don't worry about that. And Jesus ends with this hopeful statement at the end, raise up your head, stand up straight. Why? Because our redemption is coming. In the midst of all of this waiting, in the midst of the times and the trials that you have, stand up straight and raise up your head with confidence. Because your redemption is coming. That is the hope that Christ is giving you and pointing you to during this time. Our reading coming out of the epistles is, is a reading that we, we don't often preach from. And, and in fact, there's not very many churches that do out of Second Thessalonians. And it, it's kind of peculiar for whatever reason the, the lectionary starts kind of in mid-thought, in my opinion. So I'm going to read for you the section right before our reading, starting at, at Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and he will guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. We command you, brothers, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and is not in accord with the tradition that you have received from us, that is, the apostles. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we are not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But we toiled and we labored and we worked day and night that we might not be a burden to any of you. I thought this was significant. Before we get to the point of talking about laboring and toiling, <laughs> let us talk about the labor and toil of prayer. And how the apostle, even during this time, when he is speaking to the church, when he's talking to them through 2 Thessalonians, his first command to them is to pray. And not just pray for yourselves, but pray for your brothers. And for what purpose? To guard, to protect them to keep them from the evils that are out there and from the trials and tribulations of our long wait. 
because it's easy in this weight to become idle. A little bit of a backdrop for you is that the church has already received the gospel. They have, they have come to the faith, and as part of its teaching and preaching is the coming of Christ. It is not a topic that we should shy away from, and, and certainly it's a topic that we have shied away from, because it's awkward to talk about the end of the world. And by us not talking about it, the world will certainly talk about it in our stead. Just like when we stop talking about grace, the world talks about its grace. When we stop talking about forgiveness, the world tries to form its own form of forgiveness. Hopefully you're catching on that silence of the church is never good, including on this topic. So the church has received this meeting, or this, uh, this message about the end of the world, and the church has responded in a funky way. They've stopped doing things. They know that Christ is coming back, and so because Christ is coming back, what care is it? We just wait. So they fall into an idleness. No longer do they need to work anymore because Christ is coming. No longer do I need to care about the world anymore. Christ is going to do away with it anyway. Now, I've certainly lived through moments in my life, and you probably have had more, of where people have come along and predicted the end of the world. And every time they predict the end of the world, they gather a group of people around them, and what does that people do? Well, they quit their jobs. They gather their supplies. They hunker down. And they wait. And believe it or not, this church has done just that. They've become idle. Idle in their faith. Idle in their study. Idle in the word. Idle in the world. So Paul falls on them with conviction. Do not stay close to the brother or the sister who insists on being idle. For idleness is like a cancer, it spreads. That church had already fallen victim to it. They, they had taken their time, they decided to sit in the lack of air conditioning and the heat and just wait it out. But what we forget about that is the very conviction of the gospel that the gospel came for the world, came for our neighbors, not only for ourselves. And for that very reason, idleness has no part in our faith. It has no place among the brethren and among the sisters. We see that when those preachers come and they talk about the end times and they set their dates, how people fall idle. But we also see in the world that when the world predicts its own way, it always talks about it in fear. It always talks about it as something to be afraid of. And so if we don't fall out of idleness, out of laziness, we fall into idleness out of fear. Fear that the present time will corrupt us. Fear that we will become like the world, so we need to stay out of it and away from it. Fear that we have not been given the strength of God to meet the world where it is at. And so we become like the world, 
only based on fear in our idleness. These words that come out of Thessalonians are words of instruction for your life now, for this time. Go about your life. Go to your work. Go to your family and care for them. Be in your church. Care for them. Pray for them. Love them. Go to your neighbor. Do not pretend like his house is burning down and you have nothing to do with it. But actually be there. For we stay away from the idol. Because we don't have a reason to fear. We stay away from the idol because the gospel calls us to waiting, but in waiting that is filled with hope, which means a waiting of action. This section here of 2 Thessalonians is a perfect teaching of our understanding of vocation. Uh, Marcus, myself, probably other pastors that you've had have talked at extents about vocation. But here is the description. While we are during this time and in our waiting, we go out and we do our work. And that sounds boring or hard. But here is your command. Because with your presence in your work, with you being a faithful person out in this world, the body of Christ goes with you. It goes into your classroom. It goes into your offices. It goes where you go. Not because you put a cross on everything you make, but because of your words, because of your actions. So do not be idle, brothers and sisters, but be the body of Christ in this world. We know what's at stake. What's actually not at stake is the church. Because we know the world's going to come after it. We know what's at stake. It's not actually your life. Because we already know the world is going to come after it. What's actually at stake is the hope of others. And for that, we move. But we move with great intention and we move with great confidence because death has already been defeated. The end has already been spoken. The eternity has already begun. The hosts have already been gathered in their white array and they await the time in their cries, how long, O Lord, must we wait? So stand up. Raise your head up. For your redemption is coming. And may that redemption find you in the work of God. Amen?